Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz, I I know it's always a little bit hard to open up Happy Hour with something happy, but <laughs> these people make it harder and harder every week. I mean, I felt like we were sky high Thursday night, and now we wake up Friday morning to more attacks. May- mayhem, chaos, violence. In the nation's capital, yes. Um, but there is, so I do want to start with some good news. I learned from Joe Biden yesterday. Apparently, there is an Illinois militia. Oh my goodness! Um, can can you get on their email list or maybe like a, do a potluck with them or something? What what? Tell me more about the Illinois militia. Well, I'm going to have to connect with the Biden campaign because <laughs> this was what. The Democratic presidential candidate talked about yesterday. He confused the Illinois militia and the 17-year-old with the thug Jacob Blake, who got himself shot in Kenosha and led to all this. So, but details, details. Well, first of all, I really want you to tweet at the Biden campaign and be like, "Hi, I'm trying to reach the Illinois militia. Can you put me in contact? Can you connect us?" And just tweet at them. At tweet that at them. Um, Yes. So Jacob Blake was the gentleman who was shot seven times. The media, the way the media tells the story is that they always say he was shot in the back so that people think, oh, my God, he was running away. He was, you know, in a helpless position. He so this police officer, you know, unloaded seven rounds into him. But what the real story is, is that the police were called to an address. The dispatcher told the police officer that someone that the man there was not supposed to be there, that he had taken the keys of the woman. So we have a domestic situation, could be a domestic violence situation. Remember, believe all women, too. So the cops come. They know that he has a felony warrant out for his arrest. He has a rap sheet with several violent episodes. Okay, they come. They try and arrest him he resists arrest he walks he keeps walking even though they have their firearms out he goes to his car opens the door and certainly appears to reach down to to get something and then he's shot and I'm like I don't know what he was getting you think Julie you think he was getting a Snickers bar well apparently he was unarmed with a knife oh that was remember That's yes. what CNN told us. He was unarmed he was, with a knife. He was unarmed <laughs> with a knife. Just like the fiery protests, you know. The mostly fiery. peaceful, fiery protests. So yeah. we're we're laughing, but we're, we're crying. We share our listeners' outrage because this is yet again another example. And you're talking about details of the situation. There are a lot more that came out afterwards. Yeah. Um, but they're irrelevant because they are just useful tools for the Democrats, never Trump, and this despicable American news media to torch this country, to fuel the flames of this race political war that they've been begging for really for decades, but especially in the Trump era. And now all of a sudden, some of them are having second thoughts. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Well, you bought the ticket, now take the ride. That's right. What could they possibly say now after? So 
It's Friday morning. We're recording. We woke up today. The RNC did, I will talk about this, I think a spectacular job putting together this convention. They should, Republicans should only do virtual conventions. You know, they don't really do well in person. So <laughs> I really, I've never liked the RNC. I've been to several a lot more than I care to remember. And I just found it a horrible experience. It's large. It's chaotic. It's almost always held in a location that is physically uncomfortable, like Tampa in the summer. (laughs) Um, And there's so much security because the left is crazy that it's like two miles once you get inside the secure perimeter to actually get anywhere. It's just I thought this convention was great. I thought it was well produced. Um, You know, have the delegates go do their business and get out and then do most of it on, on, on television. I didn't, I, I liked it. I didn't watch it's, every minute of it, but you know, I watch enough. And it's what, two hours every night, two and a half at the most, you know, you don't have these long day affairs where, you know, and the media hunts out, you know, the most ridiculous looking Republican, you know, the with like guy an with the hat or something and like glitter earrings and, and, and the Trump, t-shirt that Trump says dazzled that. on it or something. Yeah. No, they, they, they always do that. And I, I, I found watching the, the, this direct stream from PBS um, with no comments in, I don't stay up that late. So I never watched it as it you know, live, but I would wake up super early as I always do. And I would just watch the direct feed from PBS, which is like the only time I've ever taken advantage of my tax dollars that support PBS. And you can just skip, you know, Um, I just skipped around. I don't need to hear what 50 to 75% of the speakers have to say. I see them on TV every night. So it was, it's great. I think it's convenient. I think people can see what they want to see. Um, and also I don't like the networks deciding like the networks curate. I mean, obviously CNN and MSNBC were very selective of what was shown. They don't want any relatable people shown, um, or any compelling stories, but just watching the live feed and being able to see what I wanted and not what even Fox news was breaking in to jibber jabber. I don't care what they say either. So, I agree with you, Julie. We should just do it like this forever. So I think that it was well done. I have a piece of today on American greatness talking about Trump. I think President Trump's successful courtship of black voters. I don't want to frame it that way because I don't think it's been that cynical. I think it really has come from his heart and his family's outreach too. to As he famously said four years ago this month in August of 2016, what the hell do you have to lose was his kind of challenge to black Americans. Why do you continue to support a Democratic Party that is corrupt, that doesn't care about you, destroying your cities and neighborhoods, never delivering on the promises that they make? And so I think because of his outreach and then other people, Candace Owens and other nonprofits, other outspoken Uh, black conservatives or black Republicans. I think that he's been successful. And Chuck Todd said this week on Meet the Press that the Biden campaign is very concerned that the president will overperform with African-American men, which could be a decisive factor in places like Michigan and Pennsylvania. But certainly 
if he gets momentum among black voters, that will stop any chance that the Democrats could pick off a state like Georgia or North Carolina, which has a higher than average uh, black population in their states. You know, I'm not so sure they won't get some African-American women because women generally place a high premium on public safety mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the mama bear phenomenon. Yeah. And just going back to the Jacob Blake case. So here's a, 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 a gentleman. I'm saying that generously, a gentleman who has a history of violence and assault. He's he is in the middle of something where the police had to be called, right? That is, could be domestic violence. He's obviously intimidating a woman by taking Mm -hmm. her keys. And this is their hero, right? Isn't this exactly the kind of person you want to get off of the streets? Right. Like this is not a point. This is not a sympathetic character. This is exactly the kind of person you want to get off of the streets in your community. And this community is a minority African-American community. And yet, I'm not saying he should be shot because of this, but again, why are you propping this person up like a hero when this is somebody who, you know, is a scumbag and he, you know, and you're arguing that the police go to do their job, which is to get him for what he's doing now and for the felony arrest warrant that's out for him. So it's, uh, I think people put a high price on public safety and people in the suburbs, which, um, you know, are Trump has has issues with suburban women. uh, But these women have a a value public safety and certainly African-Americans in the inner cities where a lot of this violence has been happening. It's starting to spread to the suburbs, but these are little towns and communities that are getting burned down and destroyed. And they are minority businesses and they are minority families that are affected by that. And the response is the governors, the mayors tell the police to stand down. Um, you know, I, I think that that this will help Trump. I don't know how anyone could see it otherwise. And I don't know. I think the left is in a box. They have to support this. Well, um, um, Kenosha, I probably about 65 miles from Kenosha. So Kenosha, for people who don't know flyover country, Kenosha is really like halfway between Chicago and Milwaukee. And it's a town of about 100,000 people. So it would be considered a big suburb. You know, we have suburbs of that much, even more so in Chicago. It's really kind of a a suburb of Milwaukee. Um, But it's about as working class Midwest of a town as you could get. I mean, it's been hit like a lot of these uh, Midwestern former industrial commercial type centers have been. Um, You know, you've kind of seen its decline over the years. But um, I think to your point, this is a wake up call. And that was really my I mean, this is a this is basically a a suburban area. It's not really its own a city on its own. And if it could happen in a place like Kenosha could certainly happen in a lot of these suburbs where the police will stand down. See, here's the tactic, though. So the police are already disarmed because of the video, because of the situation. They can't do anything else because they're already in fear for their lives. They've already been, you know disarmed. So they, they can't go after these people. 
Um, and so the public has no defense. So then you have store owners watching their 40-year-old businesses, furniture stores burn to the ground. You know, the heartbreaking stories, we saw all of it. Kudos to the journalists who are there doing that work, you know, putting themselves at, at risk for it. Um, so then you have people like the 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, I believe is his name. He's from Antioch, Illinois, which is just right at the border of uh, Illinois and Wisconsin. Um, and so he goes up there, you know, feeling his duty to help do what law enforcement and political Elect- leadership and refuses to do. That's right. This is a Democrat-run state. The governor there barely beat Scott Walker, less than a percentage point in 2018. Unfortunately, Scott Walker did not contest the results he should have. At, at the town, it has a Democratic mayor. And the county, I believe, has a Democratic uh, state's attorney who now is charging Kyle Rittenhouse with two first-degree murder charges and one attempted murder because he should be a hero. He successfully killed two criminals who were attacking him, by the way. Well, that's – yes. So let's let's talk about this incident. I've seen a lot of people call him a vigilante, and I, I want to – talk about what this actual situation was so in the united states we live here and we have what's called a social contract and the social con part of the social contract a huge part of the social contract is that we agree not to avenge ourselves or seek justice but turn it over to a neutral third party so that we don't have vigilantism that is a real critical part of the social contract. We all agree we will give it to a third party to handle, to distribute justice. We don't have that anymore. Okay. We do not have the police. We do not have elected officials. We do not have, well, I think some of the sheriffs are on board, but we don't have a third part, a neutral third party to protect the most fundamental rights that we have in this country. So my question is, well, then what, right? right? The question is, do we just say, okay, come and come and take it, take my property, burn my things down, come after my family, destroy my community. Do we, do we do that? Because that's what these people are saying when they criticize this kid. I feel really sad that we're at a place in our culture where a 17-year-old has to grab a rifle and go and protect a community. That's very sad. But this kid was attacked. He was attacked by the people that have been attacking and destroying and burning things down for four months. You know, the left, of course, not only are they evil, insidious people with no souls, they're actually very clever because their whole their whole gambit has been, okay, we're going to demonize the police. We are going to criminalize the police. We're going to defund the police, right? So the police then, based on weak political leadership on the left in these cities, even in these suburbs like Kenosha, led by Democrats, tell the cops, you're bad people, stand down. You have cops in record numbers, retiring, quitting the force, um, et cetera. So the public safety, as you say, the social compact is immediately broken, Right. So that's what they want. Then they can destroy, loot, whatever with impunity. They don't have to worry about being arrested. If they are arrested, they're going to be let go by leftist uh, states, attorneys and prosecutors. 
But then when you have regular citizens step up, even a 17-year-old who very calmly shot that one guy who was coming was at him with a gun. Right? Oh I mean, dude. his work. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a certain, I have to say, he certainly is a better shot than the police. In general, the police are not very good with their firearms. This kid was like on the ground. He was like, he was boom. just, seriously, I have to say, that was some, some, some pretty, pretty skillful, uh, defense so they demonize they criminalize the police then they criminalize regular americans who are stepping in doing the job that the political leadership law enforcement up and down the line the entire criminal justice system from top to bottom is a complete failure so we have to step in do our own jobs whether it's the mccloskeys in st louis or it's or whoever it is i mean go down people who are defending their own businesses and property then they're criminalized so to your point, then what do we have? Then we have complete chaos, mayhem, a, a lawless society that's like a banana republic. But at least a banana republic has a dictator who would step in and, you know, try to resolve some of but this. They're but they're the dictator. That's the thing, right? Because right. what they don't want is an actual kinetic war of all against all. They want they want one side to just step down, right? I mean, you're not allowed to fight back. They want to have free reign to do whatever that you hear the chanting in the suburbs and we're going to take your stuff. We're, like they said to the McCloskeys, we're going to live here. We're going to take your house. And they don't want anyone to fight back. So, you know, in a real civil war or in a real sort of state of nature, if you will, you have a bunch of people fighting each other. What they want is for them to just rape and pillage all the other people and for them to just like be like, OK. You're right. So, take my house, take my stuff, you know, rape yeah. my family members, whatever. So this week we had, if it can happen in Kenosha, it can happen anywhere. Late last night as people, the highest political leaders in the land, U.S. senators, advisors to the president, et cetera, were leaving the White House after a great celebration. They were threatened, attacked, harassed. I mean, Rand Paul is now reporting this morning. Rand Paul, who already has survived two attacks on his personal He's like safety. Lazarus, right? He's like, you cannot, he will rise. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot take out Rand Paul. So he was at the baseball field when it was attacked by a Bernie bro and almost killed uh, Representative Steve Scalise, who I still believe, I still think he walks with some kind of cane or aid yeah. or help. Something like 20 surgeries or whatever. And then, of course, Rand Paul was also attacked in his home, I believe, or his yard by his lunatic leftist neighbor. So here he is with his wife. They are walking through the crowd and they're having their lives threatened yet again. So if these thugs can do this to Kenosha, if they can do this in, to the highest Republican office holders in the country, imagine what they are going to do just to a random person in your own neighborhood or suburb walking around. These people are serious. They want, the Democrats, the media, never Trump have been stoking war for the past four years. They have it. We are going to have a lot of innocent victims and this is going to be directly at the hands of these people who have incited this for the past four years. Yeah, I think that these radical groups, there's so many different names for them. I mean, you have Black Lives Matters and Antifa, but, you know, there's little subgroups. They they 
are all wanting this. Well, the Democrat Party um, as an institution thinks that they're using them as like useful idiots, right? Because they think that the civil unrest will help them, right? They and and it's actually is part of their agenda, you know, to sort of get rid of the police force and prisons and um, you know law enforcement, and they they each part of the, that equation thinks the other one is being used. But it's actually the Democrats party, the institution, the Pelosi's, the Schumer's, they're they're going to be on the, the guillotine, too. Right. Like they, they, yes. think, they think that they're they're they, can, they can't control these people. They think they might think they can. But hey, they speaking really, of guillotine, didn't they just uh, I just I chose that so those good. words. God, we're um, so I chose slick. That well, they have Trump on the guillotine outside. I mean, the, these people, they're not a cult, right? That was my response. Yeah, this isn't a cult. But also, they were in front of Jeff Bezos' house with the guillotine. Now, you and I, we don't like Jeff Bezos. I, I don't care for him um, at all. But I'm, I love Amazon, though. I'm sorry. I do. I Every day, okay. Amazon comes to my house. Right. I would not go to his house with a guillotine and... I, I mean, this is not a mentally healthy thing to do. You know, it it's ridiculous. But no, but but what does Jeff Bezos own? Washington he owns Post. the Washington Post, which has been front and center stoking this war for years as well, right? So you oh, think about what newspaper started leaking all the information? What newspaper targeted Mike Flynn? What newspaper got all of the scoops, the illegal leaks about the uh a FISA warrant on Carter Page, the Washington yeah. Post. I mean, you go down the line, the Washington Post is responsible for uh, as much as CNN or MSNBC or anyone. So, yes, we sh- we could be, I mean, Mike Flynn and Carter Page, they should be setting up a guillotine outside of Jeff, Jeff Bezos. They're not, you know why? Because they're normal people. Well, they're not animals or barbarians because this is, these are things that barbarians and animals do. This isn't any reasonable person <clears throat> paying attention to the shenanigans of the last four years knows what's going on. They see the same pattern over and over again, the media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, they aren't, they are not interested in getting answers to their questions. They're interested in propaganda smears to damage their political opponents. Many of the things that they caterwaul about, a Google search would answer their question and they could be like, oh, okay, fine, I'm wrong. You know, they went after the postmaster general last week. It could have been this week, but it seems like 10 years because so much stuff going on. And they were, Ayanna Presley. Mm-hmm. who is just one of the squad members, mm. she's a hateful person, was yelling at DeJoy, De who is the postmaster general, about how he has a conflict of interest because of his interest in Amazon. And Amazon and the post office are competitors. And he kept saying, I have no interest in Amazon. I own no Amazon properties. I own nothing. I have nothing. And she just kept going. Like, she li- didn't care. Instead of being like, oh, okay, let me move on to another question. That is a microcosm of absolutely everything that goes on now. There is no interest in getting facts and information. There's only interest in furthering a narrative. And the Washington Post is ground zero for that. 
Ayanna Presley, speaking of, was also interviewed this week, um, calling on uh, MSNBC, of course, Joy Reid show, calling for unrest in the streets to target Republican officials. And she certainly got her wish well, uh, late live? last night. No, where does Ayanna, where does she live? You know, uh, I mean, you hear right. these people, all they do is talk. They're terrified of the KKK, the white supremacist and the Boogaloo boys. Well, they don't act like it. You know what I mean? Like, are you so you're calling for unrest and you're not afraid that uh, the numerous powerful, uh, allegedly powerful uh, white supremacist groups that are running rampant all over this country, allegedly aren't going to come get you. They don't act like it. You know what? They're you're right. They're not going to save her. Well, I mean, does she really think that does she is she really suggesting this? Does she really want to give a reason for all of the these imaginary white supremacist, violent white supremacists, like the guys that do the Patriot Prayer in California, or whatever, to come and get her. I mean, the, the the behavior you this is how you know that this is about a narrative advancement and not about actual fear or or what they, that they don't even believe the shit that they say. Um, and let's keep in mind the Speaker of the House this week also referred to. Yes the president and Republicans as domestic enemies, right? She referred to enemies, foreign and domestic, referring to us, the president. See, when they when they target just the president or Republicans with that, we're not we know who you're talking about. We know that you mean us. Right. This goes back to the basket of deplorables, the Hillary Clinton, half of the country who dares to defy their orders, to comply with their ideology, with their tactics and their control measures. They, she means us. So oh, now absolutely. this is exactly what this is what they've wanted or to your point, they think they wanted. Now, what do you do? Yeah, well, well, also the Washington Post along with CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, and all the others, have spent four years systematically dehumanizing people on the right, which makes them, you know, subhuman and not worthy of the way that you would regard another living human being, right? You can, why, why, why not break Rand Paul's ribs? You know, right. he's, he has he's insurance. A, he's, he's a monster. Oh, yeah, he has, you have health insurance. Right. Who cares? Get the ribs. Fix. You've got like eight ribs. What's wrong with you? No, I don't know how many ribs you have, but you get my point. I um, think a guy, doesn't a man have one fewer left or something? I don't know. I'm joking. Know. Go and ahead. I should. He's got it. more ribs than we're broken. So why are you complaining, Ryan? You know, that's kind of their attitude, which, but that's the point is to dehumanize people on the right or people who support Trump. This is why people were getting beat up at Trump rallies. You notice that in 2016, you never heard stories about Trump people going to like a Hillary event and just beating the shit out of people, even though we were told, you know, we were like that Trump supporters were violent Neanderthal animals that, you know, were scary guns. We're going to kill people with our guns. Never did you hear a story of Trump people going to a Hillary event and beating the shit out of the attendees. Right. But you certainly heard a lot of those stories on the other side where you would have people coming to a Trump rally and beating up like old people, blue hairs, you know, that weren't even picking on their own, right? They were old ladies, old men, you know, people that came out 
with little hats on and their grandkids and they would beat them up. Right. And that is the purpose of of down talking about Trump the way they do and and writing stories about the Trump supporters is to dehumanize them. So it's easier for people to hurt them. Well, and so Joe Biden came out and gave some really weak, lame statement that the Democrats and never Trump were like, oh, finally, preach, brother. We know you're on our side. <laughs> you know, he met he could he couldn't even look at the camera. So now their idea, Biden came out last night and he's trying to blame Trump for the violence in the inner cities or not suburbs now, now outside of in Lafayette Square and outside of the White House. But that's not going to work because we've seen this and it's been ongoing. They've stoked it. The media has stoked it. They've ignored it now. Um, so they're trying to rewind this because they see the political damage that it's going to cause. Oh, it's too late. It's too late. I really think he thought by appointing Kamala Harris that that was going to be like some. Oh, no. The, right. I don't think people really like Kamala Harris. I don't think that was a smart pick for him. I don't think that I'm not sure what the thinking was that went behind that other than he was kind of running out of options. Um, he didn't have, you know, he, he said he's going to pick a, a woman of color. So that was limiting in and of itself, but I don't know why they picked her. I don't think that she is a good, a, a good, uh, partner. But what was really weird is that she like gave a response last night to Trump. And it's like, are we supposed, is this supposed to make us feel encouraged that John, uh, Joe Biden is a capable presidential candidate? Like why is Kamala Harris or Kamala, whatever her name it, Kamala, Kamala, is, we can't Kamala. get that straight. Why uh, Harris, why isn't the cop? Why isn't, why was she giving the response? Why didn't Joe Biden give the response? It's very fishy. Well, and here's what's interesting, too. And another reason why the Democrats are panicking, aside from the race war backfiring on them, the polls, as we expected, are definitely tightening up. There was a big poll that came out this week um, of the battleground states, I believe seven or eight of them. Obviously, you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, which I don't think is going to be a swing state anymore after this week. <laughs> Ohio, Florida, I also don't think Ohio is, but at any rate, about eight battleground states, they called it. Biden is only up by 4%. Um, it looks like Wisconsin is already gone, will go for Trump. It was tight anyway, but I'm pretty sure the events in Kenosha will turn this towards Trump. Ohio is going to go for Trump. But there is a very uncomfortable margin for Joe Biden in states like Pennsylvania and yeah. Michigan. Um, and quite frankly, Minnesota is really a dead heat right now. That's 10 electoral votes. Joe Biden cannot win the presidency if he loses Minnesota, even if he picks up a state like Pennsylvania. He, The Democrats have to keep Minnesota. That is kind of the last outside of my head case state of Illinois. That is the last piece of the blue wall you know, vaunted blue wall in the industrial Midwest um, that is could fall to Trump. It almost, you know, Barack Obama won the state of Minnesota in 2012 by a quarter of a million votes. It wasn't even close. Um, Hillary Clinton won it by 40,000 votes in 2016, less than two percentage points. Um, 
So it's definitely gettable for Trump. There are also a few congressional districts in there. One of the biggest vulnerable Democratic districts uh, occupied by uh, Colin Peterson, a longtime Democrat. Um, he His seat is very vulnerable. That's in like a plus double digit Trump district. So anyway, the team Biden and the Democrats are really on the ropes. Um, and so that is more bad news that they got this week, even the uh, Democratic Senate race in Michigan, Gary Peters, who's a first term uh, Democrat in Michigan, running against John James, who ran against Debbie Stabenow uh, in 2018. He's running again in 2020. He's a, a black Republican. And it looks like, according to these polls, he's about five points away from Peters, uh, which that would be a huge win. That'd be incredible. Well, if this if if we continue to see the social unrest and I don't think I don't know how the Democrats are going to be able to stop it. I think the mainstream media will try not to write about it. They won't they won't. That's what they they did in Oregon. Remember, nobody thought anything was going on in Oregon until Trump sent the feds in. Right. But actually, there had been a month of, of, of destruction and rioting before, and it continues today. They just don't cover it because the story had to be Trump did this. But the people that live there know what's going on. You know, it doesn't need to be in the New York Times for somebody to know that that their their cities or communities are being threatened. And what's what and what do Biden and Harris have to offer without also taking a downside? You know, you can have Kamala out there and be like, Kamala is a law enforcement. She was attorney general. Yeah, but you're going to lose a lot of people who are mad that you put, I think, what is it, 1600 people in jail for minor marijuana offenses? You know, right. there's no way for Kamala Harris to be all I'm I'm for law and order without pissing off a lot of people who hold it against her that, you know, she was going after single parents with truant children. So I don't know. I don't know what their move is. I don't I, I mean, it's almost September. People make a lot of political decisions in September. It, by October, they're overwhelmed and they've tuned out, right? It's there's too much going on. They've already kind of September is that sweet spot mm -hmm. um based on my research that I've done over the years. Well and voting voting starts in October, right? In a lot of states, early voting. It does. And and so what's their move like what's their move to turn this around? What how what how can they undo the the damage that they basically let happen for for three months. They let this happen. What's their move to to show that they now do care about this? All they needed to do is put the police in. That would have right. that would have deterred a fair amount of it. Not all of it, but a fair amount of it. But instead, you have a bunch of hooligans who know there's literally nothing stopping them. And there's long-term damage to a lot of places where oh, these yeah. businesses won't open. Businesses like, you know, Macy's is moving out of Chicago. I'm sure you yep. know. There yep. are places that are not going to come back. And they are essential places. And they are leaving. And this is, you're right, and this is permanent. So you look at a city like Chicago, it's unrecognizable from the city it was even six months ago. And it's sad. I mean, you used to live Very in Chicago. Sad. I've grown up here my whole life. Um, it's a beautiful city with great people. It has been, it has been self-destroyed from within. Um, and so New York, uh, these cities, Minneapolis, 
Portland. These cities are not going to go back to what they were, anything close to them. Um, and so really, Liz, the only move that the Democrats have is to go to the right of Trump and say, OK, we need to call in the Marines. Right. We need the Marines in here. We need our own military because police are overwhelmed. They've been disarmed by their political leadership or they can't act or they're outmanned. We need our own military in these cities, not the National Guard. Legit, badass military men and women in here to restore law and order. But, you know, they can't do it. They They can't do do it and they can't. So that's their only move, though. They have right. nothing else. They they can't do that without because the way the Democrats don't work the same way the Republicans. The Republican Party works where, sadly, most of the party um, is is concentrated at the RNC um, and the NRCC, which is the National Republican Congressional Committee, and the NRSC, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and the NR- that that's like our locus. That's where the money, most of the money, goes through, and they have raised a shit ton of money off of Trump. But the Democrats don't have the same system. The de- the DNC is pretty neutered. The people that control the Democrats and the money are the radicals. Okay, it's the Center for American Progress. It's the Soros, the um, you know, the Heinz Foundation. It's all, all all this big money. It doesn't go through the Democrats, which means that the Democrats who are legisl- leg- the legislator and the leadership, they need the support from the crazy rich people. They have to so they can't come out and be like Trump only harder because they can't that all that money is precisely put into dismantling the law enforcement system. So, like I said earlier, what what's their next step? What I mean, they think they're going to keep going after Trump last night on Twitter. It was literally an absurd, an absurd amount of armchair lawyer, Twitter lawyers talking about like all these obscure laws that Trump broke. And now we need investigations because there was a Hatch Act violation and just all of these. I mean, I guess they can't. <laughs> Hatch Act. What? Uh, the Hatch Act. I know. I mean, the country is burning down and they're worried about the Hatch Act. It's well, anyway. right. That's they're like, oh, we're, we need an investigation. And it's like, are you going to do that? You have two months to make a difference. You're going to take people out of their states or somewhat off of their campaign. Well, I mean, I guess they're not even really campaigning because they can't do anything. And you're going to have hearings on this. Do you think people give a shit about the Hatch Act? There was an interesting – I heard this on Tim Pool's podcast where he talked about – I can't remember where he said he saw it. But somebody pointed out the difference in what was going on on Twitter about the RNC and what was going on on Facebook. Now, Facebook has a zillion times more um, participation than Twitter. Many more people are on Facebook than on Twitter. Very tiny percentage of people are on Twitter and an even smaller percentage are part of political Twitter. But Facebook is like your neighbor, your aunt, your grandkids, whatever. It's far more. I think 80 percent of the planet is on Facebook and probably a similar number in the United States. They weren't talking about that at all. The top traffic and links that were getting attention on Twitter were from Ben Shapiro, Jerry Falwell, um, Fox News, Sean Hannity and NBC News or something. So. People on Facebook, your neighbors, your tennis partner, your, you know, the accountant, the accountant, they weren't talking about the Hatch Act. They weren't. That's how out of touch 
the 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 twittiots, these <laughs> blue checkmark twittiots at the Washington Post, at the New York Times, at MSNBC, at the Lincoln Project or whatever, that that is completely out of touch with what America cares about. It it, it just is. Well, let's shift gears for a minute um, away from our just raging about the rioting, et cetera, because we could go on for hours. But I think we let's turn our attention to the RNC back to where it was a very successful convention. I think that's part of the meltdown this week by the media. Uh, that's why they go to the Hatch Act. That's all they have. But, um, you know, you have um, obviously the president spoke last night. Yes, his speech Thursday night did go a little bit long, um, but it was a great visual from the White House. The fireworks display was beautiful. It was a really patriotic feeling event, um, not this gloom and doom dystopian uh, portrayal of the country. No, it was in our totally. Future. I'm like, what did you watch? Because that's not what I, I it was like so yeah. patriotic. Everybody was like, God bless America. The best is yet to come. America, America. And I'm just like listening to this, how dark and scary it's like it is dark and scary right now because that's on the Democrats. But go ahead. Right. But so we had these great stories of, you know, people who have come to this country, you know, the president swore in or was there with the swearing in of five new Americans, which was a really touching moment. You had stories from immigrants who came here with nothing. Um, The man I forget his name right now, but uh, is he was he Venezuelan who came here? He was at the business roundtable with Donald Trump a few months ago, gave a beautiful, I mean, like tear jerking speech uh, on the first night of the convention about what America meant to him, saying that there was no other place to go. You know, America meant freedom. That's why we came here. A beautiful defense of the country. You had business owners talking about what Trump's uh, economic agenda meant for them, um, bringing back industrial manufacturing. Um, You had these new rising stars of the Republican Party, whether it was the uh, really adorable um, uh, attorney general from Kentucky, Daniel Cameron. Yeah. Um, Yes. And then Republican, black Republican congressional candidates. There are 24 uh, black Republicans running for Congress this year. Some of them are long shots. Some of them aren't. Um, so they spoke as well. Obviously, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott also spoke. Um, people like Elise Stefanik, the congresswoman from New York, who was really instrumental in defending Trump during the impeachment uh, hearings. So it was a wide variety of voices, representation of the. There was a, um, who was the woman last night who was uh, so adorable Uh I'm trying to pull up my Twitter so I can remember her name, but, uh, you know, just great stories of redemption. Um, uh, you know, Donald Trump pardoned a, a three-time ex-felon who started his own program to re- help felons re-enter society. I know some people disagree with the criminal justice reform coming out of Republicans. I think there are things to argue with, but you and I have talked about this. This system really needs major oh, it, overhaul. It does. It does, and a lot of the problems stem from Joe Biden's um, criminal <laughs> 1996 <laughs> criminal reform bill. Right. Um, but you're right. One of the things I noticed, um, at least last night, they had a montage of people who had left the Democrat Party and 
talked about why they became Republican. It was like a little package that they did, pre, pre-produced package of people talking about why they made the switch. And it made me think that the Republican convention was littered with normal people talking about their personal triumphs and their successes. And the Democrats trot out like deep state officials and dinosaur rhinos <laughs> like the Romney and McCain people who right. are now Democrats. And it's like, which one do you think resonates with the average voter? You know, knowing that some jackass at Brookings who was a McCain policy advisor is now a Biden supporter or some lady who owns a store and, you know, built up her business um, or, or, uh, you know, a woman who turned her life around in prison and is a role model and a hero, you know, like they're so right. out of touch. They think it's like a sick burn to be like, Oh, Romney and um, McCain's people are backing Biden. It's like, yes, that's of course right. they are. Of course <laughs> they are. They were always really, they were, they were never representing the people they claim they represented. And that is well said, Liz. That's exactly right. And that's just one more thing that Trump has exposed in his first term is that these people, Democrats and the establishment Republican, Beltway Republicans, are not who they have pretended to be. Um, and so that's why his the appeal to working class whites or now African-Americans or former Democrats, Trump's appeal to them is not really this kind of craven political strategy that the uh, Democrats have always used. I think they sense that he's genuine. You know, when you have someone like Herschel Walker talk about his long-term personal friendship with the president, and he's like, this is a genuine guy. You know, you have people who met with him, just, you know, as Barack Obama used to say, average Americans, you know, Barack Obama would talk about the average American who met him and just swooned, you know, being in his presence. But these other people are talking about meeting with Trump, working with him on serious issues and his genuineness in doing it, because as he always says, he doesn't need this job. And I think that that's what people recognize. Not only does he not need it, it's it's caused major harm to him and his family and his businesses. And so that's why these people from all walks of life are now attracted to him and the Republican Party. I hope they don't blow it, um, but it was a great uh, presentation, I think, this week. They can always blow it, Julie. Um, I, I know. I, 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 agree. I totally agree with what you say. I think Trump's greatest virtue is that he did do the things he said he was going to do. And it's, it's like a campaign slogan, you know, promises made, promises kept. But he actually did. And I know for as someone who was not a Trump, early Trump supporter, I was like a very late Trump supporter. I was kind of like, oh, all right. I guess this is what we have to work with. Um, and I was skeptical that he was going to do anything that he said, I didn't know, maybe he'd put his sister on the Supreme Court, but I honestly didn't think he was going to win. So I was like, well, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Um, you know, he's probably not going to win. But he has actually delivered more in four years than any, the Bush presidency. The, I, I, I mean, it's astonishing. You know, he said he wants to do something and you can see it in the way he's treated by the institution, the political institutions, they don't know what to make of someone who's actually trying to do things. And he, you can see how he's like confused 
by the way Washington works as somebody who's in the private sector and, you know, where you have deliverables and timetables and you make deals with people who, you know, nobody gets everything they want, but everybody gets something they want, you know, and just how foreign it was to him to come here and find out that the Democrats would rather like they are right now, they're refusing to negotiate on another aid package because they would rather all these people be in terrible financial distress than give than give something right than not That's right. get everything you want but just not you know not get get something but not everything they can't that's like no they can't have that and it doesn't matter how many people are hurt by that and so someone like Trump who has is a is a much more practiced person who's used to getting things done and has doing everything he can with the the limited resources he has and a bunch of enemies at him all the time and a bunch of spies in the White House reporting him and whistleblowers. You know, he's done quite a bit. He's really followed through on a lot of the stuff he said. He certainly tried as hard as he can. And, you know, the 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 way I follow things so closely, and I know you do, too, when he can't do it, it's it's not usually his fault. (laughs) It's, you know, something is it's a it's a you know, a restraining order from a court or it somebody won't participate or things like that. I mean, I really think people have noticed that he has done the things he said he was going to do. Right. And to your point, the things that he hasn't been able to do has been because these people have thrown every blockade thanks to sympathetic judges and courts, et cetera, to block what he has attempted to do. Um, So, and All of this goes back to the same person, as our friend Lee Smith calls it, the permanent coup. All of this goes right back to Barack Obama, his Chicago style, you know, scorched earth uh, political tactics. Um, And a lot of Trump, a lot of Barack Obama's agenda has been dismantled by um, President Trump. Yeah. And there was another really moving moment last night when Kayla Mueller's parents uh, talked about what happened to their daughter. Um, She had been kidnapped um, by ISIS terrorists and basically was the bride. Anyway, she we don't want to get into the details. I wrote an article about it. It's up at American Greatness. I wrote it when uh, it came out. So anyway, Trump, Obama administration completely ignored this, right? She was in peril for years. Yeah. Um, her parents begging for help fell on deaf ears. They talked about that last night. Um, and then President Trump authorized the strike that killed her captors. Right, because and- Kayla had already been murdered. Because Obama was like not taking yes, her calls, right? She was she. There was no one to get back for for the Mullers. Like they couldn't get her back alive because she she was killed on the Obama watch. Yes, that's right. Um, it, but I think even while she was captive, they were begging to get her back, and the Obama um, Justice Department or uh, law enforcement, they were way too busy trying to hunt down Trump's political campaign aides instead of well and also look they couldn't get something like a human american life could get in the way of the iran deal you know they didn't want to piss off people uh they want to piss off anyone over in the middle east when they were planning to give 1.5 billion dollars to hezbollah you know so right so she was taken in 2013 i'm just pulling up my article again for the details because i'm trying to get through my blind rage to remember details (laughs) 
So she was kidnapped. She was um, a an aid worker. She was kidnapped by um, al-Baghdadi in uh, Syria in 2013. He kept her basically as his wife. You know, she was repeatedly raped, tormented, tortured. Uh, she was killed in 2015. And then... Um, President Trump authorized the raid against Baghdadi that killed him, resulted in his death in uh, late 2019, and the raid was named after her. So her parents gave this really moving speech uh, last night at Thursday night at the RNC. Um, and so just one more example of the failure of the cold heartedness of the uh, Obama administration. And what you said is not letting any you know real tragedy get in the way of their political Right. Operations. I didn't realize a couple one of the nights I, I had no idea that Trump had had gotten back something like 50 hostages in total mm-hmm. around the world. Um, I think I heard that one of the nights where I was half paying attention that he had gotten like 50 different hostages released. And sadly, one of them was Otto Warmbier, who was also um, his family was also treated like shit by the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. Um but then Trump got that got that done. Um. Um, but I think we have a clip ready to go of one of the most moving uh, and infuriating moments oh, of the convention. Tears. Tears. Right. Yeah. You want to introduce it? Is Ann Dorn, the widow of David Dorn, the officer who was killed in St. Louis when the rioting start started that uh in May, um, you know, a selfless man who was protecting a friend's um, business when it all went down. And she explained. And what's outrageous is as much as we follow this stuff, I didn't know all the details of the story. And I feel bad that I didn't because, of course, his life who, didn't who matter. matter. It doesn't matter. Right. His black life, sorry, didn't didn't matter. Yes, he's a black black uh, retired police officer. So if we want to, uh, we have the clip or part of her speech last night, her presentation that really, I mean, everybody was on Twitter. Not a dry eye. Not a dry eye. That's All right. right. Here, let me get it up. Here we go. After 44 years, he retired from law enforcement, but he never retired from helping a friend in need. Since he befriended every person he met, he was a very busy man. One example of that was his friendship with a young man named Lee. David met him when Lee was just a kid after members of his family were attacked and murdered. Dave took a special interest in the boy. They bonded and their friendship grew and remained strong throughout the years. Lee eventually opened a pawn shop. He trusted Dave implicitly and asked Dave to help with security. David readily agreed. Whenever the shop's alarm would go off, the alarm company called Dave. He would investigate. If he got a call after I went to bed, he would wake me up and tell me he was going to Lee's just to make sure everything was all right. Most of the time they were false alarms triggered by a storm or animals, but I never rested easily until I heard Dave's key turn in the door, knowing he was home safe. The alarm that went off the morning of June 2nd was for real. It was a violent night in St. Louis. Four officers were shot. Others were hit with rocks and fireworks. 
At least five businesses were damaged, looted, or set on fire. As the officer wellness coordinator and CIT coordinator with the police department, I was keenly aware of the rioting and spent the evening getting ready to mobilize support for officers who were impacted. After I'd gone to bed, David received a call from Lee's Alarm Company. The front door of the pawn shop had been breached. This time he didn't wake me up to tell me. He probably knew I would have tried to stop him or insist on going with him. As I slept, looters were ransacking the shop. They shot and killed David in cold blood and then live streamed his execution and his last moments on earth. David's grandson was watching the video on Facebook in real time, not realizing he was watching his own grandfather dying on the sidewalk. I learned of all this around 4 a.m. when our doorbell rang. The chief of police was standing outside. I wondered why Dave had not answered the door. It wasn't uncommon for him to be up watching TV at this time. I called out to him several times. There was no reply. He just wasn't there. I let in the chief, and fighting back tears, he uttered the words every officer's spouse dreads. I relived that horror in my mind every single day. My hope is that having you relive it with me now will help shake this country from this nightmare we are witnessing in our cities and bring about positive, peaceful change. How do we get to this point where so many young people are callous and indifferent towards human life? This isn't a video game where you can commit mayhem and then just hit reset and bring all the characters back to life. David is never, never coming back to me. He was murdered by people who didn't know and just didn't care. He would have done anything to help them. Violence and destruction are not legitimate forms of protest. They do not safeguard black lives. They only destroy them. President Trump understands this, has offered federal help to restore order in our communities. In a time when police departments are short on resources and manpower, we need that help. We should accept that help. We must heal before we can affect change. But we cannot heal amid devastation and chaos. President Trump knows we need more Davids in our communities, not fewer. We need to come together in peace and remember that every life is precious. Yeah, that's pretty pretty powerful. Yeah, it um <clears throat> it was so genuine and so shocking to hear her talk about what happened to her husband. Um and then contrast it to the hero's welcome that people like George Floyd and Jacob Blake get versus her husband. Well, I mean, there were, I hardly re- I hardly remember anything about it from the left at all, including the leftist. I say left, I mean the Washington Post, New York Times, CNN. I mean, did they even cover it? I know people on the right were very, very outraged, you know, outraged right. about about it. Right. Um, but I just don't 
it just got glossed over. And that's speaks to this earlier point I was making is that these people don't believe what they say. They're just using it to gain control over you. And that's why they're advancing this narrative. If they cared about black lives, they would care about this, this gentleman who lived an exemplary life. They would care about that, but they don't really care about that. It's just, it's inconvenient and they just gloss over it. Um, It's just part of their narrative and it's an attempt to gain political power. It's very sad. You know, I don't think there was a dry eye watching that story. You know, listen to her talk about her husband. And look, we have to also fairly blame Republicans for creating this. I mean, you had the leader, Mitch McConnell, on the Senate floor, also joining the left and Black Lives Matter to canonize George Floyd, accuse the police officers of racism, saying on the Senate floor that this, you know, wasn't a coincidence. It seems to be a pattern. Um, You obviously have someone like Mitt Romney who joined the Black Lives Matter protesters who has yet to denounce any of this. I actually sent an email to his communications director today asking for a comment. Uh, I'll see if she gets back to me on that. But you had a lot. I wouldn't wait. I would not postpone your change your schedule for that. I shouldn't delay tennis and my Uh -uh. afternoon jog up for that. Okay. Um, I'll keep you posted though. Well, no, that the, the, you can, you can see why Trump is popular and why Trump won by the actions of the, these people like Mitch McConnell, like Mitt Romney. Um, Romney was an early, you know, he joined into the marches pretty early on and he didn't just say something. He didn't just release a press statement. He went to go march with them for the photo op or whatever. I don't know what this clown thinks his professional trajectory is. He's certainly never going to be able to run for president and win. I mean, he might guess he might try and run for president again, but he certainly isn't going to win. Um, you know, I don't know what he what shits he thinks he's accumulating by doing these things, except really undermining the people and, you know, damaging da- damaging the culture because that's right just going back to the jacob blake thing if you don't want this type of person taken off the streets and out of your community by the Mm -hmm. cops then you must then what do you want you know what i mean what is the role for the police then if it's not to get a a a, a felon a felon someone with a felony assault warrant with violence violent crimes in their past if this isn't the guy you want out of your community from the police then i'm not clear what you know what we're talking about anymore we want all these people out of our communities you know look at what happened in dc last night and early this morning who are those people i bet half of them work on the hill or they're <laughs> spoiled parents or they're spoiled kids of you know parents who are diplomats or lobbyists or wh- whoever is part of the swamp they're you probably think it was Mitt romney who pushed like Rand paul because he probably wasn't invited to the white house for the event i'm sure he's like in the corner you should be like, like i think i saw mitt romney right there like take one of those pictures and be like is that romney no um just kidding am i no, no i i don't think you are um but it, so who are these people these are probably dc school teachers right who can't manage to make it into the classroom but can go with the mob you know hundreds of thugs and criminals attacking U.S. senators and their wives. So um, these are people we we don't want among us anyway. 
But unfortunately, we're stuck with them. We have political leadership on the left and right that is coddling this. And I'm curious um, if any of those people had been arrested before for other rioting activities in D.C. Because they just they that's the other thing is that they they say that the Democrats say that they care about these communities. And yet they release people who have been arrested for violent activities against the communities. So how many of those people last night waiting outside the White House? And I have to say they should have known that shit was going to happen and they should have had better police there. To be honest, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? What idiots. But how many of those people have already been arrested for previous mayhem? And then just release and they're back out on the street because it's the same people every night in like Portland where they're never held. Right. And yet you you say you care about the community. These are people actively destroying the community and threatening public safety. And you're just fine with letting them out. Well, even uh, Kenosha police yesterday released a statement that they had found vans and buses with out of state uh, license plates. I'm sure they were from Illinois loaded with all kinds of contraband and weaponry that they were planning to use. So, of course, we all know, too, this is not some organic grassroots, you know, neighborhood movement. Well, who brings people. a shield to a protest? Like, <laughs> who brings a shield and Molotov cocktails to a pro- a protest, a political protest, unless you intend to be violent? Right, right. Just peaceful. Mostly peaceful. Yeah. So just right. like. Just like our um, Kyle Rittenhouse um, was a mostly peaceful self-defense. Boy, they sure caught him fast, didn't they? I mean, it was like 12 hours well, before they he, hunted him down. Well, the thing was that people on the Twidiots were having a conniption fit because they were like, why did such a virtuous man like Jacob Blake get seven bullets in him? And yet they managed to get Kyle Rittenhouse without violence. Well, because in the videos, you literally see Kyle Rittenhouse walking towards the cops with his hands up. You know, right. like that might be that might have something to do with it. And also, I'm sure he I'm sure he just turned himself in. So that's the difference. It's right. like I keep hearing all these black African-American people say, well, you know, we have to have the talk with our children, you know, about I the know. fucking black hating. Sorry, I said the F word. These you know, racist cops that are going to kill him. But maybe they need to include, like, you should comply with the police so that you don't have a violent, you don't, you know, escalate into a violent situation that will end up with someone hurt or dead. How about that? Well, what did this all have in common, George Floyd and Jacob Blake? What did they do? Want to resist arrest. I mean, that's the other thing. And I think this is a big part of the left's agenda is sort of is eroding the the common, common sense. Here's there's someone with a gun and they're telling you to do something and they're law enforcement. Do you, how do you think that that conflict will end with, some, you know, do you think it's going to end good for you when someone has a deadly weapon? Why not just comply? I will right. comply. Right. I mean, we you and I don't like the cops, Julie, but I yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, right. ma'am. Thank you, sir. Have a nice day, sir. I was speeding, sir. Whatever. Here are my hands. See them? I'm not moving. I I I really do not understand this this resisting of arrest or resisting or giving the cops shit. 
Right. I don't. And and that's not to say there aren't bad cops. Of course, there are bad cops. There's yes. bad everything. There's bad doctors, bad nurses, bad teachers. Yes. There's bad everything. And yes, they're bad cops. And it's important that we get rid of them because they do have quite a bit of power. No doubt. Right. But really, why would you just the same reason that we saw in um, Kenosha, these thugs were trying to grab Kyle Rittenhouse's gun. You know what? Let me tell you something. When you are trying to grab someone's gun, the person with the gun thinks you're going to take it and shoot them. So they're going to shoot you first. They're going to fight you back. Mm-hmm. Again, this is all common sense. Okay. I, I'm just ranting. I'm ranting. <laughs> it's a good, we needed it. TGIF rant after, yes. after another long, crazy, political, busy, destructive week of American when politics. When is this slow week going to happen? <sighs> I really, you know, it was funny. I thought after the Mueller report, things would settle down. <laughs> oh, now it's going to work. Now we can. Joke was on you. Yeah. Wow. I miss those good old days of Russian collusion. Do you remember? Um, yeah. When that was just the one thing. Now there's like a hundred things and there's so many different things going on. There's so many fake Democrat scandals that trying to like unravel them at the same time. And there's all this information coming at you on different lanes. I can't even keep it straight. I don't even know half the stuff I should know that's going on. I mean, the, the Durham related stuff and right. I can't, I can hardly follow it because there's just so many other things happening. I don't know. Yes. Well, I think that's part of it too. The deflection. Yeah. It's over overwhelming for sure. Yes. So um, I think we we've gone over our hour, Julie, but time flies. It does. And we had a lot. So hopefully our listener is still tuned in to the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. And, you know, we're a lot of fun. We are. To be honest, this is a lot of fun. And, you know, a lot gonna, of info. We, yes. And we're we're kind of sassy, but also bitchy, too. And we're not we're we're not even bad. Like this is this is us under control. Like, <laughs> well, it's still early in the day. Luckily, that's it's not it, actual happy hour. That's that right. Oh my gosh, we we could, we could never just do a let it all. You know, I I tweeted this morning that I delete ninety nine percent of the tweets I start typing, and that is true. I and really should too, but I don't. I You're, do. You have a lot more control. It's a, and because it's always like I'm gonna beep when I if I beep see you and then I'm gonna beep and I'm you know it's it's all really it I just I'm like don't do it don't and you know I just I I especially in this climate I feel like we can't have a a frank conversation about important issues that need to be discussed so anyway Julie have a great weekend listeners have you a great weekend. We'll be back here next week with the same sass and bitch for our happy hour. Thanks for listening to happy hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.